Today's podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance. If you guys listen to my podcast or know me personally, you know that sleep is a massive part of my life. And if you do any sort of research into sleep, it has massive effects on your running and performance in life. You're only as good as you can recover. And the best way to recover is with a good night of sleep. For me, a product I use to strengthen my sleep, particularly my deep sleep and REM sleep, the quality of my sleep is Pillar Performance. My go-to product from them is their triple magnesium, which has been a game changer for my sleep and recovery. It uses a high dose of glycinate magnesium, and I take it 30 minutes before bed each night. Where Pillar differs from other micronutrition you may have taken before is the tangible and measurable results you'll see on your fitness wearable. Again, I take it every night before bed, and I wear a Whoop, and I've seen a significant increase in REM and deep sleep, and that has been an absolute game changer in my training. If you would like to try Pillar today, head to pillarperformance.shop or for my U.S. listeners, head to thefeed.com slash pillar and enter code DOMINIC in all caps for 15% off. That's DOMINIC for 15% off all first-time purchases. Again, I can't recommend this product enough and I highly recommend at least trying it out and seeing if it works for you. Before we hop into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you guys about someone I've been partnering with over the past few months. The name of the company is 2Before, and if you guys are looking to take your training to the next level, 2Before is the right product for you. 2Before is blackcurrant powder, and blackcurrants are antioxidant berries grown in New Zealand. Studies have shown that consuming them regularly improves endurance by increasing blood flow and removing lactic acid. It's used by professional running team Tin Man Elite, as well as teams in the NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. There was one study that showed that using 2Before consistently can improve your athletic performance by 4.6%. And so as I look to close out this fall on a high note with my training, as well as get in some really quality training this winter, 2Before is going to become a staple pre-run, pre-workout. I absolutely love this stuff. I've worked with 2Before for a long time for this reason. It's become a staple in my daily training and life routine. Because of that, you guys can get 30% off at 2Before with code the Running Effect 30 Not only does this get you guys 30% off, but also free shipping. And I've left a link in the show notes. Again, highly recommend this product. And I definitely recommend at least trying it out once and seeing if it works for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic, and I'm thrilled you've clicked on today's episode. I get a welcome back on a household name at this point, Ben Flanagan. I honestly have lost track how many times he's been on. I think it's probably nine or ten at this point, and every time we sit down, it's always a fantastic discussion. Recently, Ben ran 13.04 in the 5K, hitting the Olympic standard, which if you've listened to previous iterations of the podcast with Ben, this has been a goal of his for a while, something that he's been eagerly training and hoping for. And so it was so awesome to see him accomplish it and then break it down on the podcast just a few short days later. That is the majority of this conversation. We also have some light talk on different subjects throughout. And overall, anytime I get Ben on the podcast, it is always a fun time, but also a time of wisdom. Ben is always very knowledgeable about different subjects in regards to the sport. And I'm confident you'll walk away from this conversation more equipped to continue to chase after your goals. My only ask of you before we hop into this one is consider sharing today's episode with a friend who you think would benefit from it. With all of those notes aside, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Ben Flanagan. 
Ben Flanagan, back for like, I think your 10th time or something. Always a privilege and an honor speaking with you. And particularly today, a common theme in previous podcasts is talking about the Olympic standard in the 5K, which it feels like you've been chasing forever. So it's so good to say you have it, which we'll dive into for starters, man. How you doing? Bro, oh my God, that is so true. Um, it's great. I always love being on uh, on this podcast. Um, your following is always like twice the size every time I come on. You've been growing like crazy. So uh, I'm stoked that I'm still cool enough to, to get an appearance because, uh, you know, when, when people go big, you never know. Hey, it's called the Ben Flanagan effect. You know, I get you on and then the followers continue happening and then yeah. things slow down. That's really why I have you on. Things have been slowing down recently. I'm like, I got to get my good luck charm back on. So You got to get some Nico Young on your podcast then. That's the guy you want. Yeah, I know. 12.57. Man, let's just start there. You know, I was telling you before, we've done this so many times with each other that it's just conversation with a friend, really. So we're going to go there. Nico Young, 12.57. When you were at Michigan, would you have ever thought those words would be said? College kid running 12.57. Hell no. Not even like in the ballpark of like my conception of what college kids can run <laughs> um no chance even even uh like even not that long ago you know it was like yeah i could see college kids running 13 o's but like 13 like sub 13 college kid like are you kidding me um and i actually had dinner the other day with a few buddies and it was the day before the race and we were talking about nico's young's you know altitude run of course because who hasn't talked about it and we made a bet on what Nico would run. And I actually am a hater. And I made a bet that he wouldn't break 13 with uh, one of my, my buddy's friends. It was Morgan's friend who bet that he would. And I was like, I don't know. I think it was my own insecurity. I'm like, if Nico's going to break 13, I'm, he's a college kid. I'm a pro. I got to break 13 too. And I don't know if I'm going to do it. And sure enough, the next day, I, like, I saw Colin Salmon mm -hmm. run 353. And as soon as he did that, I'm like, shit nico's gonna break 13 i'm like these any of you guys are all just they're just good if this kid is running 353 here at sea level like i gotta imagine nico is probably actually pretty close to 350 349 shape and if he's in 349 shape he's probably gonna break 13 so anyways i was super impressed i mean he's a total stud i've ever never met him I, I i congratulated him i've heard amazing things about him though so um pretty cool inspiring for college kids and, and scary, but um, pretty amazing run. Yeah, Nico's a great guy. Can personally attest to that. Awesome off and on the track. I'm, I'm curious for you, when you were at Michigan, that was like when I was slowly starting to get into the sport. That time era wasn't like 1335 considered like flying. Totally. Yeah. So the, 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 there was a major shift, obviously, that happened in the last like five years where times have really, changed um but to give you context like i ran 1348 mind blown about it and like that was like i was the first guy to miss out qualifying for nationals with 1348 indoors um which nowadays i'm guessing it's going to be like sub 1320 yeah you know maybe 1320 flat um so yeah just an entirely different league like when guys like justin ran 1317 outdoors that was like didn't he beat Ingebrigtsen call. in that race? Was that the same race at Peyton Jordan? He may. Yeah, have. he beat Henrik. Oh, Henrik. He beat, okay. Well, Jakob might have been in there too, and just like 
12 years old. Yeah. He was pretty young, right? So right. I, if he was in, he was he might he would have been like 16 or something. So he might have been in. He might have been there actually. Yeah, but 13, 17 was world class. It was like, oh, Justin's a contender now. It was, yeah. And um, you know, it's kind of interesting talking to me or other guys that are my age because we're kind of in that hybrid where we've had one foot in both eras. Because you talk to a guy like Hobbs, it's like 1348 was never that great. You know what I mean? Like relatively speaking, right? Like everyone's on their own goal setting. But from from the the times we're talking about right now, like so when it's like Mason and I, we've had this one foot in the door of like what will used to be really good and now what's really good. We've had to really like re readjust our like expectations and our goal setting because you know, there's, I would have never thought I was going to run 1304 in my whole life, you know, five years ago. And I, I need to get like, you just need to get comfortable with that stuff. If you want to keep getting better and if you want to keep up to what everybody's doing, because I mean, three months ago, it was grand blanks. No one was going to run 1303. And now it's Nico young, 1257. Like it's not stopping. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be surprised. Like that's a crazy record, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's another college kid sub 13, you know, sooner than later. I think we'll see. Here's my prediction. I think we'll see a sub 350 before we see another kid uh, sub 13. Because the Washington Miler is like running 351 and it gets no headlines. <laughs> I know, right? Like I saw that result too. I was like, Luke, uh, yeah, that was that was sick run too. So yeah, you're probably right. I mean, um, in the right race, uh, there'll be a college could go in sub 349, probably this indoors or 350 this indoors. Yeah, season. crazy. Um, Another thing yeah, with NAU is. Uh, Nico's teammates, Theo Quacks and then Aaron, not even going to try to pronounce his last name, 1316, both of them. And I, I barely saw that. And I think someone I reposted that, like, it, and that's yeah. how I saw it. But going yeah. through the results list, it completely passed by. It's like, again, that would have won NCAAs like 10 years ago, almost oh, yeah. for sure. And now it's yeah, like, five years ago. Yeah, yeah, they're just like another guy on the team. It's crazy. Yeah, they're third, fourth man on their team. Yeah, it's <laughs> nuts. I mean, NAU's like, they're, they're doing some crazy stuff over there. Um, no, I, I love Mike Smith personally. Like I've only met him a couple of times, but he's been great to in those interactions. And um, yeah, I admire him a lot. He clearly has got like, he's, he's got a system there. He's got it down for sure. Let's take a little bit of a pivot. Okay. And then we'll come back on track. Last time I talked to you, I think the podcast got released September 23rd, 2023, which feels weird as 2024, but maybe I should be used to it now that we're on the 30th day of 2024. Um, but yeah, we talked September 23rd last year. And I asked you, I think at the end of the conversation, I was like, what's next for you? And you're like, I'm getting married. So you're a married man. First time oh, on the nice. podcast. Uh, what's it been like? Feels great. Got a nice ring on my finger. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was that time. Um, Hannah and I were very, um, very excited about it. We just got our wedding video last night going on Instagram soon. Um, but it was gorgeous. Literally couldn't have gone better. Um, but weddings are wild, man. Like it was, um, you know, it was like, it was, it was intense. Like there's a lot, like the week of, it was like, you know, planning in advance and, you know, especially from Hannah, my wife's perspective and her mom who were like really involved in the planning. It was like a year and a half in the making. So to have everyone there, my college teammates, my pros, like buddies now and my uh, former teammates and then, you know, just friends and family, it was freaking awesome. Amazing day. Couldn't have gone better. And um, yeah, Hannah and I have lived together now for, you know, three plus years. So coming back from married life, you know, it feels like you, you get like you're on that high for a little while. We did a honeymoon in the Outer Banks and then you get back and, you know, life life is 
the same now. You know, we love our, our little family with our two dogs and our place in Ann Arbor that we're remodeling right now. It's um, yeah, we're we're very happy. Talking about running in relation to marriage, you mentioned going on your honeymoon Outer Banks. I think I remember. Uh, I've been following you on Strava for a while, but like seeing those runs, uh, following you on Strava in the Outer Banks, and I was like, man, Ben's still putting in the work here. And even in the lead up to to the wedding, I'm like, Ben's still putting in the work here. What was that balance like where it's like running's your job, running's so important to you, you love it, but also like you only get married once, you only have a honeymoon once. Like how do you balance those two things? That's a very funny question. Um, but yeah, a great one. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I try to time it so that like, the wedding week aligned as close to like the off season as possible. And if I did it better, it would have been like the wedding week. I actually wasn't running at all. I would probably missed it by about a week. So the way I, I rationalize it in the brain, in my brain is I knew I wasn't going to be able to run every day because we just had so much going on. And even if we didn't have so much going on, I wanted to be very like present in just everything that we were doing. Like I just really tried to put running on like, you know, like big picture, like this is not the priority this week. Right. Um, but you know, it's part of my routine. I love doing it. It's training. I, I trusted that like I was going to get all the fitness back if, even if I didn't train it all that week. But so what I did, that, did instead, I ran like four days that week, but I tried to get used to like, you know, like extrapolating what I did that week into seven days. Like what would that mileage be? Um, so I was actually putting in like really solid, like in single days. So I probably ran like 40 miles in four days or whatever. Um, which obviously a 40 mile week isn't great, but it set me up really well for the following weeks to build off of that and get to like high mileage, regular mileage pretty quick. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fun. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just love running and I'm lucky I got a a family that supports it that, you know, they, they know that like, I'm a better person. I'm a happier person when I get my runs in and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it was, it was nothing too crazy, just a little bit less sleep and the Virginia mountains are just hilly. So, a little tougher, but got some work in. And the other banks, Hannah got a little sick. Um, so when she like slept in a bit, I was like, I'm gonna go sneak in. <laughs> <laughs> so I just go and get I did like one workout. And that was like my like I, I was like, if I get one workout in just to like tap that stimulus, I'll feel good that like I'm not missing on too much. I actually crushed it. So I was very happy with it all. You come back to Ann Arbor. What is like the motivation feeling like? I know periods of my life where it's been stressful situations or, or things outside of running. And then I'm like, okay, focused on running again. A lot of times it can take a day or two or even a week to be like locked in again for you. What was that transition? Like, did you come back super hungry to get back with the boys training or was it a little bit of Hobbs, you're going to drop me this workout and then next one I'll be back. <laughs> no, I would never let Hobbs drop, <laughs> drop me. Unacceptable. Um, just kidding. Uh, no, I was ready. Like I, I mean, this is kind of how I am though, especially the last few years. Like I really don't enjoy my breaks that much. Like it's nice. It's nice for it's, it, it, it always is not as nice as you think it's going to be for me. I'm like, I get like three days in, I'm like, okay, that's great. And then the next like five days, I'm kind of forcing myself to, to take that time off because I do value it. I think it's important, but I don't just walk in the dogs like five miles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sneaking (laughs) in those miles when you can. So I really just, I, I enjoy the routine of training and the process and getting better. Um, so I was really excited to get back to it. I'm trying to think about the timeline now. It would have been like early to mid November. Um, this fall has been a bit chaotic because we've had Morgan Hobbs and Mason, especially Morgan Hobbs has spent a lot of time in Flagstaff. So I actually haven't seen them quite as much. 
But I remember getting a really good – I love training with Mason in the fall because he usually has a, a couple steps on me. Like he's, he's fitter. So it's really motivating for me to like kind of like try to catch up to him. And then like – and it's really a good way for me to kind of see my progress of like getting closer to my teammates. And Morgan was the same. Morgan, you know, is just in general usually always fit. But I, I do actually like coming back in worse shape than everybody else because it motivates me a lot to like play catch up. And it's a really good way to like just kind of – kickstart a really uh, positive momentum. And then when you get used to it, it's about the time where you start wanting to kind of like back off a little bit and start like pressing so much. So yeah, the fall was great. I got a couple hundred mile weeks in, which like I haven't done in years. Um, the volumes got way up there and we kind of delayed the track work a bit more than usual. But when we came to it, things like came back pretty naturally. When or did you have a conversation with Ronnie about the schedule and how long has this race been on the calendar and how long has it been the focus for? Yeah. I, I wonder if notes save in your, like if I can find a date where I made the note of my calendar, cause I love planning this type of stuff um, too. So let's see, I think I might be, no. It, if you look up the, the specific note, Oh, it does it. Okay. Maybe not. Yeah. It just says the last time I accessed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, look, yeah. January 29th. Bummer. Um, I'm sure you could find it anywhere, but it's not important. Anyways, I put together a schedule a while ago, and I've been in the game long enough that like you kind of know where you need to be to do the things that you want to do. And um, I had a strong hunch that um, BU was going to set up another fast 5K. It's just way too good of an opportunity not to. Um, so I wanted to make sure I was there at the right BU meet. And then um, I wanted to make sure I was at sound running 10K because those are the the two best shots in North America you get to hit the standard. And then I kind of worked from everything around there. So I talked to Ronnie about the schedule probably pretty early on. Cause you know, that's the time where everyone's excited. You start, you know, bouncing ideas of each other. Everyone wants to talk about the schedule and my schedule was pretty different than everybody else. Morgan went on like a pretty big, like fall um, road running campaign that obviously went really well. Um, Mason was more focused on uh, getting volume in over the fall and Hobbs was like all in on getting the standard indoors and like building towards that. Um, but yeah, I like trusted what I needed to do. And I told Ronnie, like this race, I want to run 1305. And he said, okay, let's get you there. This was your first race of the indoor season or were you doing low key ones in Ann Arbor that I just didn't hear about? I did. I did low key ones okay. in Ann Arbor <laughs> and you didn't hear about them because they were not impressive at all. Uh, okay, let's hear about <laughs> so, them. Yeah, so Mich we're really lucky. Michigan's got a beautiful facility that Sully lets us access, which is clutch, or like especially in Ann Arbor. And then two, he has home meets and it provides a really good opportunity for us to kind of bust the rust. And uh, so I told Ronnie I wanted to double in the mile in the 3K. And naturally, I'm like, okay, I'll just break four and break eight great day. And I wanted to really run close to 5k pace off of tired legs from the mile. And so anyways, the mile I ended up running 403 and the, the 3k I ran 804. And like both of them, I kind of came right across the finish line and looked at the clock and was just like, I would like to see something a little better, you know? And like, they weren't set up phenomenally. Like I had some pacing and stuff, but we, we never really like I spent a lot of the, the back end by myself and I closed both of them in like 129 for the last 600. Like there were really good like pieces of them that I walked away being like, okay, this, this was 
fine. And it was like a 15 mile day. I did a workout, you know, very small workout in between the races. Um, but you know, I was expecting a bit better. Like I was in, I, I thought I was in really good shape and I kind of thought four minutes and eight minutes would just come a little bit more natural, but you know, you got to respect the game. Like those are times, no matter how fit you are, just not that easy. Um, so I, I, that actually took a little hit to my confidence, but I kind of had to just like tell myself like, okay, like take the wins, the pieces from it. Ronnie told me it went great. Like, so I had to trust all that. And in the last couple of weeks we did some more like specialized workouts that have gone really well. That gave me the confidence I needed to be like, okay, like I'm ready for this. Let's do it. Given that you went through that, what would be your advice to someone listening high school collegian in the indoor season who had a rough race and they have a big one circled on their calendar and they're like, I don't know if I have the confidence to still go out at that pace or go for the win because I don't have evidence that I can do it. I just kind of, you know, shat the bed. Short memory. You know, you gotta, you gotta realize that every opportunity is different. There's a lot of variables that go into every opportunity. And just cause one doesn't go well, it doesn't, that does not mean anything about the next one. You know, it can be information and information can be helpful, but you don't need to ever predetermine anything. And, um, yeah, don't ever underestimate like running's hard. And, um, even when you're in, what I learned is even when you're in really good shape, stuff that doesn't seem that hard still is like, there's a threshold of difficulty that like, if things aren't set up perfectly, it's, 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 it's hard, like four minute barrier. It's very difficult. Um, no matter how good of shape you are, some guys are better at than, than others that can just go out and hammer from the front. But, um, you know, you learn about yourself when, when you miss and what you're good at, what you're not so good at. And you just take those lessons and move on to the next one. Going into the race itself, how confident were you that you could go out at 1305 pace and hang on for dear life? I would say pretty confident. Like it was not a lock at all. Like I was, I was, I had to hype myself up and be like, okay, last year you went out at this pace. Like you have the tools. I did a workout at BU um, earlier that week to kind of get the confidence up and, and things were working well, but I go into those races a lot of time with like a, a very genuine curiosity of how that first miles going to feel. And for me, a lot of that, like it's pretty good information of how a lot, like how I'm going to feel for, for most of the race. Right. And, um, yeah, we got out and 63s just came like really natural. And I'm like, okay, this feels, this feels stellar. So, Early was great. It really started to get hard around like three and a half K, four K. And that's when I just had to like keep it all together. I'm curious to get your take. Drama is a very strong word here, but I'll use it anyway. Drama for lack of a better word. The drama on the heat situation. What was the deal with the randomness of guys being in one heat versus the other? And what was your say on what heat you were in? I'm sure it didn't really matter at the end of the day because regardless of which one you were in, guys had run that pace. So I'm sure you were confident that you would have guys to push with, but kind of a bizarre situation from the outside anyways. I believe that. Um, I It actually made a lot of sense from the inside, um, which is a bummer because you know it, it i understand how people were like confused and probably wanted like the top ma- matchups and everything like that so i get that um but um yeah so originally what i what i was informed was there would be um like one very set up kind of heat you know and it was going to be um one of the heats not necessarily a fast heat but there's gonna be one really set up one where everyone was going to go um, and that ended up not being the case because there was such a high quantity of really good athletes. 
um, it ended up being like the OAC guys were going to stay together because they were a huge part of that race coming together and a big part of the attraction for other athletes all around the world coming. So they kind of got the the benefit, from, the reward from that situation of, of getting all their guys to stay in one place. And then outside that, everything else was just like snake set up, like just like get comparable heats based off of that. Um, once I heard that, I didn't know what heat I was in and I didn't know what heat I was going to be in. So I remember people kind of being concerned about that and expressing that concern to me. And I was like, honestly, like there's 24 guys that have broken 1320. There's pacers in both heats. Like they're both great. And the last thing I need to do is get worried about something I can't control. So I didn't really get that involved at all. Um, I never even like, you know, I, I don't think anyone was allowed to, but I didn't pitch for a certain heat. Um, and then when they came out, I looked at them and I'm like, they both look great. Um, naturally I know the OAC guys, so I was happy to be, you know, I, I thought the benefit, if there was any advantage, it's just the critical mass that those guys were going to stay together for a long time and maybe keep the pace going, uh, for the last 2k. But when you get guys like Adrian and, um, you know, Kincaid and Abdahamid and the other heat, like those guys are going to keep it going too. So, um, both worked out great. I thought it was entertaining to get like two top notch races. Um, of course it would have been cool to see like one top notch one but you know my goal was to hit the standard and this whole thing was set up for as many guys to hit the standard as possible so obviously i with my bias i supported it but i understand that like fans want to see certain things um but um the setup was with the the intention of setting it up for the athletes as best as possible which i appreciated you tell the line take me through the next how many laps is it indoor 5k 24 25 25 25 25, 25 laps with a big kick yeah yeah yeah, it was um, it was nuts, man. I mean, BU's just—it's fast, right? And it's—it's it's loud. Like you know, you just kind of, you just get into it, and you know, mentally, the name of the game for me was like ten five five five. That's how I broke up the race. It's like get through the first ten laps, don't even look at the clock, and that gets you to two k. The next five gets you to three k, and then that, that next five, is like the most important. Three k to four k is like that's when shit goes down. Like you either you know, are on pace and you're going to give yourself a real shot or like you're going to lag and that's kind of where you blow it. Um, doesn't matter how fast you close. Cause once you get to a K to go, if you feel good, like it's just about finishing the job. Right. So my goal was to be at 4k in about 1030. Um, because that means I can close in 234, which I feel very confident doing. Or if I close in 229, I'm sub 13, which, you know, when you're trying to run 1305, you might as well have sub 13 on your mind too, right? Cause it's, it's getting there. Um, so I think we came through in about 1031, 1032. And that's when I was like, shit, this is gonna be pretty close. And um, I kind of tucked behind Jordy Beamish and um, all in hacker. And uh, those paces got a little nerve wracking because we were kind of on the edge of just being fast enough. And then when I saw a lap to go, I was like, I have to literally kick as hard as I can and I still might not get this and um you know Jordy didn't go right away which I thought like if I just was with Jordy I was going to close fast because he always does and um so I went by him and hammered and sure enough I was the guy that you know Jordy out ended up out kicking, <laughs> um that day you're the which, added motivation he always needs yeah who uh, who hasn't had that experience right but um yeah and you know I came across the line I was pretty sure I saw 1304 but like I wasn't celebrating until I saw that inofficial writing on the clock 
And, um, you know, when I saw that I got under, I was just freaking pumped. And I had family and friends there that went crazy. It was just, it was awesome. Just a huge, huge load off. Going back a little bit, I'm curious, what are the warmups for these big races like? You're, the goal, there's one goal, right? Break 1305, get the Olympic standard. What's the thought process like? Do you have AirPods in? If so, what are you listening to? Like, what's that hour before the race like? And that process more so mentally than physically I'm interested in. Yeah, um, it definitely varies. Um, most of the time due to the organization of the meet, you know, being in the world championship versus like a BU, you know, where it's like kind of a free for all um, and everything in between. Um, I love listening to music. I think anyone that like vibes with music for the race, totally good way to go. It's like a good way to kind of separate yourself from other people. If you're not feeling like talking, people can see you're like getting the zone. Um, at the same time, you know, I try not to like, I don't know, over, um, over hype myself, you know, like I like to stay calm. Um, so some of my music's not like crazy. I used to listen to like really hard banging, like EDM music and just get like, try to get like crazy. I don't do that as much anymore. I like to kind of just like, yeah, maybe some like a bit like soft build the intensity, but it's like, you know, just getting in like a good mood. Um, those things, those things don't control your race. You know, it's easy to think that like every moment leading up to the race matters, but that's just not true. Like everything that really mattered already happened, you know, in the past week, month and, you know, year. So it's like the best thing you can do is like, okay, what can I control here and what's going to make me feel good? But like, it doesn't have to be perfect. So yeah. So for this example, my father-in-law was there. I talked to him a little bit when I felt like I needed some space I put my headphones on listened some tunes for a bit, saw a buddy, said hi to him, went for my warm up, did my usual routine, stuck with what like works for me. I do like 13 minutes and I do like a little three minute pickup, couple five second like sprints, come back in and then uh, got some water, go to the bathroom 15 times and uh, then go to the start line. So it's nothing crazy. Um, you know, I mean, it, when it gets really serious, I probably don't want to like chit chat like crazy on the warm up or like tell stories or like, I, I kind of like a bit of space. I'd probably prefer to warm up on my own. Um, but there's times where you find yourself warming up with a buddy and I, that doesn't bother me so much either. Again, I mentioned this at the beginning of the conversation, but for those who have listened to our conversations with one another, you are so open about stating your goals, not just in the present moment, but in the future. I don't even remember the first time I heard, you know, I want to make a 5k team for Canada, 5K, 10K team. But I feel like it's been a while. And through this, you've really, you know, in our conversations on social media and other podcasts you do, I feel like you go on every podcast in the book. Um, you've been very vocal about like failing at this goal over the past few years and trying intently hard to nail the 5K or the 10K. For you, what does it mean to finally have this dream come to fruition? Of course, you're not lined up on Paris just yet, but this is the first thing that was in your control that you needed to do and you got done. Yeah, I, it's huge validation, you know, cause like, like, let's face it, like everyone thinks about like quitting at some point, you know, and it, it crossed my mind, like it's crossed my mind before. Like maybe I, maybe no matter what I do, like maybe I don't have what it takes to, um, to run the standard or be a top five K athlete. Like maybe, it's, maybe other guys are just better at this than I am. Like those thoughts naturally come up and, um, you know, you fight them with, you know, just your positive thoughts or, you know, by uh, crushing a workout or having a great race. And it's kind of been like a three-year battle at this point of like really justifying that, like I belong in this distance and can hold my own in it. 
Um, and not only is that validation for this event itself, but it also opens up the doors of like what I'm capable in other events that might come more naturally to me as well. Like to be, to be getting this good, you know, I use for lack of a better way to describe that in the 5k gets me really excited about like, wow, how, how good can I be in like something like a marathon that might be better suited for me and might hopefully be my best event. Um, it really, it's, it really builds that confidence, but yeah, overall, I mean, that, that, that doesn't matter right now. Like that's on the back burner, but what matters right now is that like, I'm starting to now be amongst a class of guys, like the pool of athletes that I'm really starting to, you know, try to beat is getting smaller, which is really cool. You know, it's like, and it never stays that way. You know, people get better and that pool grows again. But right now is like, uh, I feel like I'm at a level where it's like, okay, like I'm, I can, you know, I've got a shot at making an Olympic final. Like maybe I can actually be one of the best guys in the world at this event. Um, so yeah, I mean, a major box checked, but you know, I want to stay on the gas and I want to get better at the things I need to work on and, you know, really prove that like, I not only, the, the next big challenge for me is instead of being an Olympian and like attending the Olympics, like being competitive there. Um, and that's, that's probably my most recent failure, which is at Budapest where, you know, I was a, a participant and I felt like I was trying to make that final and didn't. Um, so obviously there's things I need to do to secure my spot at the Olympics, but having this standard allows me to really focus on the big picture, which is performing well there rather than just being there. What is the road to Paris look like for you? We've talked about this before. The process of qualification for every country is unique and exhausting. Uh, for Canada, I'm sure yeah. you know it like the back of your hand because you need to. What are the next steps for you to qualify for Paris? Yeah, it's different than uh, than the U.S. Um, the main thing is that we only have one automatic selection for winning the trials. So if you want to book your ticket at the trials, you have to win the event as opposed to be top three like in the U.S. And then the next two spots are discretionary. So I could go and run the trials and win them, and that would guarantee my selection. Um, some athletes choose not to do that and instead prep for the Olympics themselves. Um, so I also don't have to go to the trials if, if let's say, only – Mo and I have the standard and no one else does. We both feel quite good. We're going to get selected. We don't have to attend the trials. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Like I understand the benefit of it, of like, you know, not sacrificing training and really dialing in for what matters most, which is representing Canada at the Olympics. But there's something else. There's another part of me that really does, you know, like the idea of being present at the Olympic trials, you know, representing myself there and earning that spot. But I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk that way too much because there's a chance I don't run if, if that's a path that's going to provide me the most success at, at the Olympics, I want to consider it. So TBD, but, um, the biggest thing right now in terms of like discretionary selection is it comes down to like, who else is in the game? Like, is, is Justin going to hit a standard? Is Kieran Lum going to hit a standard? Someone else going to hit a standard? And if that starts happening, um, then I need to really start making sure I put myself in the best position to get selected, which would very much involve going to trials and winning. I want to get your take on this quote from a man by the name of Ben Flanagan. This is from our last conversation with each other. And that was a conversation on, I think, what you would call your most successful track season of all time. But I think you were still raw emotionally about your experience at Budapest. You just said there, you know, more of a participant than competitor. The quote is, you said, you're not going to solve it that night. Paris isn't an hour after my prelim that I got knocked out of in Budapest. What what do I need to work on? How much time do I have to resolve this before it needs to be accomplished? And how am I going to get there? 
That to me is a lot more of a productive mindset. That's how I stay motivated to accomplish that goal in the future. What's your thought on that quote? Months removed with the context of that mindset probably getting you to run 1304. It gets me fired up a little bit. That's uh, I'm, I'm glad you pulled that up. But uh, no, I mean, I agree with it for sure. Um, it's it's easier said than done, right? Like, you know, when, when you have a, a bad day or want it better, it's easy to, you know, the most natural thing to do is kick rocks or blame others, right? Like people have an instinct to, to do that and you really need to step away and, you know, figure out like what really matters and uh, what you really want out of the situation and what's going to actually get you there. Um, and what I've learned is things take time. You know, this 1304 wasn't from this fall. You know, it's pretty much three years in the making, right? And um, there's been changes I make throughout that period of time. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, since Budapest, like I learned a lot at Budapest, you know, in, in that world championship. And I am definitely taking those experiences and, and, and inserting them into my training to make sure Paris is better. Um, the most obvious way to put this is like when I was racing guys at Worlds, I realized that most of those guys there that beat me have run 334 faster than the 1500 and also run 100 miles a week. And I wasn't doing either of those things, you know? <laughs> and to me, it's like, okay, well, like, I'm not that far off these guys, but those are two major things that, that I, I have not done. And um, this past fall has been a lot about focusing on the strength side of it. And that's going to continue um, pretty much up until late summer, because I now have that option with the standard. And then I'm going to come way down and focus on that sharpening because I have a much better idea of what it's going to take to make a final. And I think it's going to take a 357 last mile in the heats. And um, that's going to be hard to get to. But I think knowing that that's what it's going to take, I can get there. And that'll give me confidence stepping on the starting line that, that I can be top eight. Ben, final question for you to wrap up today's conversation. For someone listening who is so close to throwing in the towel on themselves or a goal, what would you say to them with the context of you saying this is three years in the making, you sharing that you know quitting has crossed your mind at times in the sport, and yet you still put your head to the grindstone every single day and ran 1304 as a result? What would be your message to the people right now who feel a little desolate and are starting to lose hope on themselves? Trust yourself and those whose opinions truly matter most to you. And I, I use that last, I, I, I phrase that delicately because, you know, it's easy to think that a lot of opinions matter to you um, that maybe don't. Like I'm talking about the people that are closest to you that really know you really well. And, um, you know, that's not necessarily like overt belief. Like I know you can do this, but it's belief that like, I know, you know, I know what you're capable of and I know what you're doing is, is valuable and I admire the fact that you're still doing it. And that's what's helped me, you know, Hannah, my wife and my parents and my sisters and my in-laws, like that's like my most intimate group who, um, you know, have really just supported me unconditionally. And um, that's a huge part of where I am today. And those are the people that you really need when you feel like shit about what you're doing or about yourself. Like those are the people that kind of get you through the worst parts and for the rest of it, like you got to trust yourself. And, um, if you've got that self-belief and it's burning a little bit, if there's a little tiny bit of it, that's still going after a shit day, like listen to it. 
Ben, I guess one final, final question. I'd be so remiss if I didn't bring this up. I'd probably get crap for it. We've talked about Michigan sports before. Michigan football, national champions. Yeah. Thoughts on this one? How'd it feel? Freaking awesome. Um, I could have, I could have done without all the drama this season. You know, it's hard, it's hard to ignore that. Um, but you know, it was very entertaining, you know, from a strictly like I can get personal about all the shit in the running world. Cause it like affects me directly. The football stuff, like I don't know as much about. So I was able to kind of like just focus on enjoying the game and whatnot. Um, so, so forgive me if that's, if that's a bit of an ignorant take, cause it probably <laughs> is, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I loved watching the game against Alabama. I thought it was the most entertaining because it's just like I watched Michigan get the shit kicked out of them by SEC teams um, in the playoffs for the past two years. So to see them you know, go to toe-to-toe with Alabama was really cool. Um, and the Washington game was awesome. Environment on campus was cool. Living in Ann Arbor was great. I think people would probably be disappointed to hear that Hannah and I went to bed with our dogs like 10 minutes after the game while, this, while couches were being lit out on fire downtown. But uh, yeah, that's just that's just being 28 instead of 22 these days. We let the, the kids have their fun while while we got eight hours of sleep. Ben, appreciate the conversation. Keep crushing it, and uh, we'll chat soon. I'm sure after you do something remarkable. You too, man. I mean, you're inspiring me. Your stuff's been awesome. So uh, yeah, keep killing it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at the running effect. I hope your running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.